You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. Great to be with you today. Sadly, Trish McFarland not with us today. She is on assignment. We say hello to her. We will see her soon. In fact, I'm almost certain we will see her very soon as the legendary annual HR Happy Hour Oscars preview show is on the calendar and will be recorded in a couple of days. So I just have one or two more movies to watch uh, in the next 48 hours and we'll get ready for that big show. One of my favorites of the year. So look out for that. Also, uh, look out for other shows we've done recently. We did a great show with a company called The Mom Project about connecting returning moms back to work and workplaces. Really excellent conversation that's in the archive. And as well as one I just did with Prudential, all about employee financial wellness. So uh, check that one out as well. Uh, Lastly, booking shows out for the next few months. If you have an idea for a topic or a guest, you want to be on the show, you want to to uh, have a suggest a topic or give us an idea, tweet at us at HR Happy Hour or send me an email, Steve at h3hr.com. And you can also add the show to your Alexa device, a different version of the show, slightly, it's definitely much shorter, but it's a little different kind of a feel. We're on the Alexa device. And every time I say that, when I make that announcement, I stare at my my device because I she almost always interrupts me after I say her name, but mercifully she didn't today. But you can add the HR Happy Hour skill and get the HR Happy Hour show in your daily flash briefing. And then, oh, of course, HR Tech Conference. Tickets are on sale, www.hrtechconference.com. Use my code Steve300 for $300 off your registration. In fact, today's show topic will also be covered uh, probably in depth at the HR Technology Conference. So we'll get into that in a second. Ooh, a lot of announcements. I need a break. Trish isn't here. I usually get a little bit of a break in the announcements uh, when, when she's on. So I have to take a take a breath. Dial it down a little. Okay, here we go. Today's show is all about diversity and inclusion technology. We have two great guests. Our first guest today is Stacey Shigar. She's the co-founder and principal analyst of, at Red Thread Research. She's a researcher and thought leader on talent management, leadership, DNI, people analytics, and HR tech, a frequent speaker and writer. Her work has been featured in Fortune, Forbes, and the New York Times, among others, certain to add the HR Happy Hour show to that list of credits soon, I imagine. Stacia co-founded Red Thread Research in 2018 after leading talent and workforce research for eight years at Burson by Deloitte. Before Burson, Stacia spent nearly five years conducting research and creating learning content for the Corporate Leadership Council, part of CEB Gartner. She has an MBA from the University of California, Berkeley, and a master's degree from the London School of Economics. Stacia, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Thank you so much, Steve. And, and I think adding the HR Happy hour to that list is definitely the next thing after. That. I want that. I want to see that in the list of credits, Stacia. <laughs> I, and, I, and literally every single time I introduce a guest who, who, who I run through their, their media credits and their publications, I, I say the same thing to everybody. Most people just laugh that off. So you, you answered a little positively to that. So I think there's a chance. So that's awesome. So uh, <laughs> before we get going, let's, let's welcome our other guest, Carol Jackson. She's, the, she's a senior principal at Mercer. 
researching DNI and other products. She is Carol, I love this already. Carol's a senior principal in Mercer's diversity inclusion practice responsible for their research and consulting solutions. She has more than 15 years experience in human resources consulting with a strong background in industrial organizational psychology, technology, solutions, employee research, leadership development, and diversity inclusion. Prior to joining Mercer in 2014, Carol held business development and consulting roles at Burson and Associates, now Burson by Deloitte, and Talent Keepers. Carol has an undergraduate degree from the University of Florida. Ooh, we're rivals, Carol. We'll talk about that later. And a <laughs> master's degree in industrial organizational psychology from the University of Central Florida. Carol, welcome also to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're a Gator, huh? I just, That's I just, right. I, Go Gators. <laughs> I, I get these bios in advance. I often don't read them to the bottom uh, in advance, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> it, did it sound like I was reading that for the first time? Because if it did, I was. But uh, good. I'm a Gamecock, Carol. So we do uh -oh, occasionally, uh -oh. our teams run up against each other uh, from time to time, including, quite frankly, a legendary game in the NCAA men's basketball tournament a couple seasons ago, which uh, – was the springboard for my team to make uh, the first ever Final Four. So, hey, hey, that's a story for another day, Carol. We won't rub that in. Guys, welcome to the show. We're talking diversity and inclusion technology. You have co-authored a fantastic research report all about diversity and inclusion technology. Uh, before we get into to that and how folks can get to the report, of course, we'll share that information at the end of the show. Let's talk about this. What is so different or new or what what's happening in, in work and workplaces today that are making organizations look for diversity and inclusion type solutions like why is this a thing right now yeah um this it's actually a great focus right now and it's and it's not a new idea obviously especially for hr practitioners um but over the last 18 months we've seen that it's really reached an inflection point and receiving increased attention and focus, not only from HR leaders, but also from business leaders. And I, I would point out maybe three trends, and there's more trends in our report, but maybe three trends that we've seen kind of lead to this inflection point where organizations are saying, we've got to do something, we've got to do it quick, we need to do it broadly across our organizations. Um, the first is, is important social movements, so movements like Me Too that have thrust this topic into the spotlight and have really been the catalyst for organizational leaders to take a closer look at their culture and ask themselves, you know, how do we ensure that our organization doesn't tolerate harassment, of course, but also doesn't tolerate other discriminatory or inequitable behavior. So a social movement like Me Too, obviously looking at sexual harassment, oftentimes happening in the workplace, is leading to a discussion that's broader than harassment and really putting a, you know, putting a spotlight on what other behaviors, either inclusive or potentially not inclusive, are happening and, and what can we do about them. The other trends we're seeing are, are demographic shifts, so changes in our population re resulting in more diverse talent pool, um, an increase in non-traditional forms of work, such as freelancing and virtual work. Um, we've seen a lot of research on automation and artificial intelligence replacing jobs that are often held by women and other underrepresented groups. Um, as well as talent shortages in some industries that, again, are causing business leaders now, not just HR leaders, but our HR leaders and business leaders to ask themselves, how do we create an inclusive culture 
to support a more diverse, multi-generational workforce that we need now, but that we're also going to definitely need in the future. Yeah, Carol, thanks for that. It's kind of like a perfect storm, right, of, of, of some trends, some things that are happening in society, some things that are happening with technology as well, right, mm-hmm. that are calling more attention or increased attention to uh, this area and, of course, increased investments in this kind of technology. What are some of the the common applications or, or use cases that you guys are seeing? You did in your extensive research, 100 plus vendors, and it, it, it's such a deep dive report. What are some of the, the common kind of applications or use cases that organizations are looking to technology solution providers for help with in some of these areas? Yeah, I'll take that one. So one of the most common areas, actually the, the most common one is in talent acquisition. So as we looked at the market, 43% of our providers were in the talent acquisition space. And that makes sense because we hear a lot of talk about pipeline challenges and, and all the rest of that. So it makes sense that there's a lot of solutions that are focused here. Um, one of the most common is one that many of your listeners have probably heard of, which is Textio. Um, and, and that's an application that will actually look at your job descriptions and right. analyze if they're you know, more gendered one way or the other. And a lot of organizations have seen positive uplift for that. And I, I think that's one of the pot reasons that they're so widely seen is because they actually have um, pretty solid metrics behind, you know, we had this number of female applicants, we made these changes, and now we've seen the jump. And so anytime you can tie something to pretty clear uh, metrics, there's a, a big, you know, a lot of people will jump towards, towards that area. Um, the other space that I think is, is really common, and I heard a lot in the interviews, was just to focus on analytics. So the number of folks in the interviews who said, I just want a DNI dashboard. I just want to be able to see quickly and easily what's in this space. Uh, that, that was a, a large number of organizations. And so we have in the report uh, a lot of organizations who are focused in this space. But um, you know, one of the ones we feature in there is, is uh, Affirmity, which actually used to be part of LTG. Okay. Group, or, or it's still part of them, but it, it got spun out of kind of people, so it now is its own product. Um, but they, they have one, Vizier has one, and a, and a number of the other analytics organizations, ADP, um, for, for compensation, uh, have, have a focus on analytics. So those are the two of the most common, but one of the things I want to point out, and I know that um, Carol has something to add here too, is that those Though those two areas are the most common, we think that some of the greatest excitement is around the engagement and retention and the development and advancement space. So um, two vendor types that I like in in this space, one is those that are actually using um, our newly advanced capabilities around natural language processing to understand what people are saying in an organization. Um, So for instance, one called Cultivate can actually look at how quickly you respond to emails from different genders or the tone you use. Oh, in the really? Email. Okay. That's interesting. That I, I think for me, my, it's going to be a slow response rate. And I feel like I'm gender neutral on that, but, uh, <laughs> I, but well, I've heard about some of that, uh, that kind of a technology before, but never, I never thought about it through a, a DNI lens. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, and we're seeing it also being applied in performance reviews too. So, for instance, the Zugata is able to look at um, the feedback that different genders are given and say, you know, is this more of a personality feedback or is this more of like a work product feedback and give people that information as well. Yeah, or sometimes, right, and I'm not sure if this product does that or not, but the, the idea that uh, some of the things that uh, are looked at as positive, right, uh, attributes mm-hmm. for males typically, 
the same the same words or phrases can be used uh, for females and but in a negative manner, right? You know, assertiveness right. or you know things like that, right? We've heard a lot about that in the past. Uh, really, really interesting. So we're really looking at things like some some of the stuff at the front end, right? Pipeline development, pipeline expansion, being a little bit more. Mm, trying to remove bias from, from that area of, of, of so I say, sourcing and recruiting. Stacia, could you comment on that at all? Because I feel like I know I've, I've ran into yeah. quite a few providers that are, that are working in and around that space. And a few weeks ago, actually, just at the end of the new year, I had a senior recruiter, a technical recruiter from Atlassian on to, talking about this very subject. And I know she uses one of the products that's featured in your report. I'd love maybe you comment a little bit about what's happening in that space, because it seems like that's one area where there has been a lot of technology applied to trying to quote unquote solve that problem at the top of the funnel? Yeah, so can, you can break it into two groups. So one is candidate sourcing and then candidate selection, right? And so mm -hmm. on the candidate sourcing side, there's a lot of technologies that are trying to help you access more diverse pools of candidates. So sometimes it's actually even adding a diversity feature or, or a, a checkbox, you know, I'm looking for women or I'm looking for, you know, other, other types of folks to um, bubble those people up higher or, or in your funnel or in any list that you have. Um, that's one thing that we see folks do. Another is um, allowing you to uh, actually deliver blind resumes or profiles. That's an increasingly common um, capability. That's actually more on the, the selection side, but you know, if we've got Carol, instead of using this is Carol Jackson, um, senior principal at Mercer, you'll see CJ, <laughs> you know, senior principal. Right. So that's, that's pretty common as well. Um, and then the third area is uh, these blind assessments. So this is basically the idea that if you see someone, you're going to have some sort of unconscious bias with regard to their performance. So if you remove the person from the assessment process and then use technology to duplicate, whether it's, you know, a job task or, or some, some test or whatever it is, um, then use the computer to assess that person. In theory, you're going to get a less biased result. Now we can talk about, I know you've got a question about benefits and, and risks. So right. that's yeah, all in sure. theory, but that's what people are trying to do. Yeah, no, thank you, Stacia. That, it's interesting. You know, I, I know I felt like for the last couple of years, just about every technology provider has tried to incorporate this idea uh, of AI, right, into their technology, no matter what the technology is or, or does, they're, they're, they're doing it or claiming to do it and whatnot. I'd love to, for your guys' comments, your perspective, you did this huge research survey of this entire landscape. Just tell us about the overall kind of market for these DNI technology solutions. You know, just about how big it is. How many providers roughly are we talking about? How complex is it getting? And, and how do you see it growing? I, I'd love just a little perspective on the market overall, and then we'll dive in a little bit more. Yeah, I'll start and then I'll let Carol add in um, a bit too, because then she's got a, a strong perspective here. But when we looked at the overall market size, we sized it at about 100 billion um, for the whole market right now. Okay. And, you know, compared to the great big HR technology market that isn't necessarily that big, but for a space that when I've been researching DNI for six years now, when I first started looking at this space, you know, about that time, there was nothing. Like I, I asked people, what do you have in the way of technology for DNI? And I got blank stares, literally. And people are like, e learning? Yeah, I feel like I have not heard anything about it <laughs> until maybe three years ago, roughly, you know, yeah. Right. And so, you know, 100 million is a, is a decent size, size market. You know, we found 105 vendors uh, as of writing the report. 
And since then, you know, of course, once we published it, all these people have come out. I was going to say, how many more have reached out to you in the last week or so <laughs> since the report got published? <laughs> I think I've got at least 10 more. Who, yep, there you go. And, and, you know, we're not even a week since it's been published. So, um, so there's, there's a lot. Um, and it, but it tends to be smaller companies and, and they tend to be, to be high growth. Um, Carol, did you want to make a comment here? Well, just that I, I think just that we're finding that, yes, there, there's vendors everywhere, right? And um, in our research, we identified three types of vendors. So D&I focused vendors, so vendors that truly have solutions that are strictly, I'm saying strictly for <laughs> diversity and inclusion. Um, but then a lot of the uh, mid-size or larger vendors that are starting to look at features that okay can help with a diverse workforce or create inclusivity. Um, and then we cover a third category that's the diversity and inclusion friendly vendors. So those are, um, for example, you know, mentor, mentoring softwares that could indeed, you know, help mentor employees from underrepresented groups in your organization and improve the advancement within your organization. So I think the reason, you know, when we, we looked at this market, I think we were, you know, we, we were potentially surprised at how big it was and it continues to grow, but it's because we're really covering all these different types of vendors and they, they kind of each come at it in a different way. Right, right. Got it. So there's this, there's three tiers then is essentially what you're saying. Some that are, they, they've basically been created to focus on a DNI issue or to help improve DNI results in a given process. There are ones that maybe have existed for other reasons or pre-existed this, uh, this development effort and have developed new features to help support DNI initiatives and organizations. And then finally, a third category that, you know, they maybe didn't even have this in mind at all, but they could be used to help these kinds of initiatives and organizations just by their nature, by the, how they've been developed and how they've grown. So oh, that's really helpful. Yeah. To break it down like that. Um, you know, my guess would be just like um, all the bigger providers, you know, your your Oracles, your SAPs, ADPs, Workdays, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like just how they all then have moved into AI to one level or another. I got to believe the, my guess would be that they all will move or, or have moved into developing some kind of capabilities to support some number of these DNI uh, capabilities. That would be my guess. Did you guys find that or, or did you, A, did you even look for that? Or, and B, if you did, did you, did you see that at all? Yeah, we definitely saw it. So, um, particular, just mirroring the the HR talent acquisition space, technology space, um, AI is especially prevalent there. And um, when it comes to trying to find either the right candidates and, and trying to remove some of the bias that's inherent in the process, um, the solution I mentioned just a few moments ago, Cultivate, um, that mm -hmm. is an AI heavy solution. Um, the Zagata solution um, is as well. So, so we're definitely seeing it. I think the thing that is important to note, though, and we've actually got a whole section of the report on this, is, and, and many folks have written about this, is that you know, AI with diversity and inclusion brings up all sorts of challenges um, because the AI ha has our inherent biases within it, um, and that can be translated into, or that is translated often into the technology. And so anybody who's buying a solution in general with AI needs to be careful of what the diversity and inclusion implications can be. But particularly if it's a solution designed to help with diversity and inclusion, you really need to be aware of it. Yeah, Stacia, that's a great point. And it, re it reminds me, and I'm sure you guys saw this too, a few months ago, that story that came out of uh, Amazon in the UK, right? They yeah. had developed an AI tool for sourcing and 
it turns out that it was leading to even less diverse outcomes, right? Because they were just looking at um, all the, the resumes of all the successful candidates for the last, whatever, decade or so. And a decade of people hiring their buddies and people who went to the same colleges as they did and people who, uh, you know, they were comfortable hanging around with had led to a pretty a lack, lack of diversity, you know, right, in, in that organization. And then applying AI to all the successful hires just tended to perpetuate that lack of diversity, right? And, and so the algorithm was not unbiased at all. In fact, it, it had all the inherent biases of the data it was it was fed, right, uh, for it to to make its recommendations on. That's a, that's a super point. Um, right. And it, yeah. it can be even more subtle than that, Steve. You know, one of the, for instance, one of the stories that I've heard on this front um, had to do with an organization that was using um, AI to translate uh, words from one language to another. And so okay. where they were going was from Japanese, which, as I understand it, is a language that does not um, have a gendered pronoun, so he or she or her or him, et cetera. Okay. And when they were translating things back into English, they were translating things like teacher and engineer. And guess what gendered pronoun came with teacher mm. and which one came with engineer, right? Yeah. And so it ends up just being so baked in at, at a really deep level that even even the somewhat simple ones in, in the Amazon one is a, a good example of the gone of muck, but there are all sorts of really simple fixes yeah, they could have done there. But yeah. but this like Japanese language example, it is so much deeper than than that. And that's the sort of um, awareness you need to have. Yeah. Carol, Carol, you had a, Carol, you had a comment a second ago. Yeah, uh, and I, I just think that this discussion actually just points to kind of that broader issue of kind of technology and human decision making. So, of course, many of these vendors are conducting audits and risk assessments and look, making sure, you know, doing tests to make sure that their predictive tools are reaching decisions and not having adverse impacts. Um, but I also think that one of the things that we've been hearing is even the employee perception or the leader's perception when using a technology, you know, looking to technology to solve the problem versus really using the outputs to to be an input into a human decision rather than an absolute. So I think, you know, one of the things we cover is um, some just some suggestions for customers who are look, going to market and the questions to ask around the risk in, this, in the AI algorithms. But in the end, you also have to think about kind of how the end user, the employees, the leaders are going to use, how we want them to perceive the technology and the outputs. Um, and then how do we want them to use those outputs so that we can mitigate some of this risk, um, but also so that the humans still feel empowered to make the decisions. I think that's really important. Yeah, that's a super point, Carol. Let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. We are talking to Stacia Sherman-Gar from Red Thread Research and Carol Jackson from Mercer. We're talking about their recently released diversity and inclusion technology report. Uh, which is a must-read, I think, for anybody interested in diversity inclusion, anybody interested in HR technology, and anybody just interested in, in like what's kind of on the leading edge of innovative workplace technology. We talked a little bit around benefits and risks. We, or we talked a little bit more about risks, I guess, in the last few minutes. Maybe let's talk a little bit more about benefits. And I know you, you surveyed 100-plus vendors lots of their customers. There's a lot of interesting stories out there. Maybe if you, if you don't mind, and you can an anonymize if, if you need to or, or care to, but 
what are one or two things that um, organizations that are applying these types of DNI technologies at any at any level, whether it's sourcing or or, or selection, whether it's um, learning and, and leadership development or something else, maybe, maybe just one or two that you found particularly interesting as you conducted your research and did your interviews that you, you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience. Sure, I'll start. Um, so one of the one of the innovative solutions that I'm excited about is the use of vir- virtual reality training oh, to help okay. people better understand the experience of people with different backgrounds and experiences and identities, um, and how to respond to specific situations in the moment. Um, so there's you know we there's a body of research showing the power of empathy and driving more inclusive behaviors. And VR can provide that opportunity to immerse the learner, um, and these could be employees at any level, into situations where maybe they've never experienced it before. Maybe they may be unfamiliar with the situation, and then giving them opportunities to practice those behaviors. Um, so one particular vendor that I had the opportunity to test their, a module um, was on uh, bystander action. So what it, what would I do if I experienced sexual harassment in the workplace? And so mm. it took me through a scenario and it gave me opportunities to kind of experience it around me at a conference table and and gave me an opportunity to practice speaking up when a coworker is treated inappropriately. Um, so that's just one example. And there's a number of vendors being VR, equal reality, driver, and vantage point all working in this space. But I think this is an area that's really innovative, um, that, you know, there's a lot of unconscious bias training happening out there. And, and that can be helpful, but typically isn't something that helps long term. Whereas I feel like this kind of experiential learning, being able to have an experience that maybe you may not come to very often um, right. is going to really be really be a game changer in the learning space. Yeah, that's a great example, Carol. Uh, yeah. I had Derek. Go ahead, Stacia. Oh, I, I was just going to add another example, but I can. I can no, wait. please do. Please do. Yeah. So another example, and this is actually, I know we, we've beaten up on AI a little bit here, but <laughs> this is an example <laughs> of, uh, of AI doing good things. And that's an example, and we have this in the report that comes to us from uh, Accenture, from their UK firm. So they used a technology called Head Start, which um, they combined with an overall change. So I always want to be clear about this because, you know, technology is wonderful, but it's not a, a silver bullet. But they, they combined it with an overall change to their candidate selection and sourcing process. But what was cool about this technology was that they were able to really broaden the set of information that they would get about candidates, which would give the Accenture team um, just more context for what was happening for someone. So let's just take an example. You know, I'm, I'm from Arizona, and let's say I had gone to Harvard. It might be more impressive that I had gone to Harvard. I did not, but let's say I did. Uh, more impressive that I went to Harvard being from Arizona, which is a more rural place, than somebody who was from, let's say, New York City, who might gotcha. have some yeah. other, you know, advantages. And sure. so, so what, it, it just provides this, this uh, more context and, and makes different types of recommendations. Anyway, using this tool, the Accenture team was actually able 
to pretty substantially increase their um, technology, their new graduate technology hires, so that they had a 50-50 breakdown of men and women coming in through their graduate um, program. And that's what I think is remarkable is because I hear so many times in this space that, well, it's just a pipeline problem. These people aren't out there. And what this type of technology is doing is gaining, bringing in more information bubbling up things and allowing recruiters to kind of select on different factors and that is enabling them to get a really solid, strong start class that's the type of gender mix that many folks seem to think is not possible. Um, so that's an example, I think, of the technology and the AI being used for good uh, as opposed to some of the negative things. Yeah, that's that's another super example. I just as you were you were talking, Stacia, I wrote down in my my notes here uh, that you know the things that you guys you guys have been saying that I wanted to remember. I wrote down just the word zip code, and the reason I wrote that down was because mm. we've seen lots of studies about how you know where the zip code in which you were born and raised and went to school, et cetera, has a lot of influence, right, on on what kinds of educational and career outcomes you could have. And so it's such a great point that folks who have come up from certain circumstances have really overcome a lot in many cases, right? And really, they're really, really high achievers. But if, but if you only looked at the back end of what constituted achievement, say, you know, a degree from an Ivy League school or a master's degree from a top 10 school, or et cetera, et cetera, if you were only looking at that, it's quite likely you're discounting this substantial level of achievement that lots of people have had to get, you know, maybe not all the way there, but get pretty close to there, right? And uh, Or super... even just GPA. Yeah. In that instance. Right. Yeah. So, so let's say you got into Harvard, but you're on the lower, you know, quadrant because you had a really hard time your freshman year, and those grades impact so much. Like you're still a super achiever. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that's yeah, exactly no right. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. It's uh, this is a really fascinating subject, and as I as I looked through the report, I was glad to see uh, references to some of these great case studies as well as to some of the folks. Um, we've had on the show, right? You, you, you talked, uh, there's a lot of vendors mentioned in the show and some case studies. You mentioned uh, Striver. We've had Derek from Striver on the show. And um, you've even mentioned one, I don't know how much you, you dug into them, but it just, it just perked my interest just because I hadn't thought about them in a long time. But the guys from a company called Good Hire, right? The, they were doing background checks and helping mm -hmm. folks um, kind of, respond to perceived negative information on background checks. And I had them on the show probably a year or so ago. So was, I'm glad to see that they made the report too. And they're still, they're still doing okay. Cause I thought that was another really, really fascinating story uh, of how um, a technology was being applied to essentially make more candidates available to potentially be hired or, or not get to not get, not get screened out of a process in, in a preliminary fashion. I, and so I don't know if you have a comment on those guys, I, I, I'd love to hear it. If not, that's okay too. I threw that with, that's not in the show notes. So I, I'm surprising you with that reference, but I, thought it, I saw it about an hour ago and I wanted to bring it up because I did, I do like what those guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. So for your listeners, um, Good Hire is a background screening co uh, company. And what they are doing is standardizing the background screening processes. So what I learned through speaking with them is that the criteria on which people are screened out is not always consistent in an organization. You might think it is, but it, it turns out it's not. So for instance, if I have um, some, you know, I didn't pay my child support, let's say, and, and that shows up in my background, um, that may get me screened out, but it may not have anything to do with my ability to 
do the work. And so what Good Hire enables folks to do is to have a consistent approach to these are the things that actually should get someone screened out and these are the things that shouldn't. And then when this way I thought was pretty cool was they allow um, their users to maybe try and see. So maybe maybe I had been screened out for not paying my child support uh, in the past, but maybe one division wants to see if allowing the child support <laughs> neglecting people uh, to work there, if that has a negative impact on the organization's outcomes. And so by being able to kind of do these small scale experiments with some of the different factors that may have screened somebody out in the past, you can both um, open up your pipeline, um, which can have a really positive impact for uh, folks who are underrepresented uh, potentially. And then you can also uh, ha have an impact on the organization's uh, business results because you can kind of see what the impact is of doing these things. So it's, I think it was remarkable. I had not had that on my radar at all when we started this research, but I thought that was a really cool application of technology. Yeah, great story. And they were really, really interesting too. And, and I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll share the link to that show. And, and I, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name I spoke to from Good Hire, but it, I did a whole show with him. And uh, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So if people listen to this show and, uh, and maybe hadn't listened to, to me talk to, to, to them, we'll, we'll link back to that and they can find that in the archives. Hey, last thing, Stacia and Carol, before I let you guys go, is and either one of you can take this or, or maybe kind of tag team it. Where do you kind of see after spending so many hours and conducting so many interviews and demonstrations and you know research, et cetera, et cetera, publishing this? And, in-depth report, where do you see D&I technology kind of going? Where, where, you know, maybe in six, I mean, six months is a little too short, maybe in the next year to two years, where, where do you kind of see this market heading and, and how might that impact um, and hopefully benefit organizations? Well, one big thing is we saw that a lot of the D&I tech solutions that are being used today are being used by primarily knowledge sector companies. And so, so think finance, tech, consulting, et cetera. Um, and I think that we're going to see that expand more. So we're going to see potentially more healthcare organizations, more retail organizations. You know, that example of good hire is a good example of why we might see this type of thing. Um, but I think we're going to see an expansion of industry. That's the first one. Um, okay. The second one is I think we will see more of the technologies, but also different applications. Um, so one example we didn't, we didn't talk about, but um, I've been long fascinated by organizational network analysis. And we're seeing some of the ONA vendors um, enable people to look at how individuals are included within a network. So if someone is a woman or someone is from another underrepresented background, are they part of the network the same way that other groups are? So I think that, you know, that's an existing technology that's just starting to get applied to this space. And I think we're going to start to see things like that pick up a lot more traction. Yeah. Um, Carol, did you have any uh, predictions you want to add as well? Well, just I think there's a, an opportunity for these tools to be used more broadly in larger organizations. Um, so we saw that, you know, typically smaller organizations using these tools at first. And I think... Um, you know, our clients at Mercer are, are we're, we're seeing quite the demand for technologies that they can use across geographies and, and honestly getting more interest across industries. So I think, I think that this is going to grow. I think that there's going to be uh, a lot more demand looking for more integration points with all of their different talent practices. So those areas, you know, 
uh, development and advancement and engagement and retention, I imagine that we'll see growth in those areas as well. Yeah, I think you're both right, right on about this. And I think it's really exciting. And I, I confess to not to knowing a little bit about this prior to this show and preparing for it. But now, like, I'm, I'm much more I'm intrigued and I'm much more impressed by how far it's come, but also uh, optimistic about where it's going to. And I think, uh, you know, on a personal note, I think I need to spend a little bit more time on this for HR tech this year. So uh, maybe uh, we can have a call offline, the three of us, and talk about how that might look. So um, uh, Carol Jackson from Mercer, Stacia Sherman-Gar from Red Thread Research, Thank you so much for spending some time with us on the HR Happy Hour today. The report is phenomenal. It's uh, titled "The Diversity, uh, Diversity and Inclusion Technology: The Rise of a Transformative Market." We will include the link in the show. It's a free report, so for every listener, I'm going to encourage everybody listening to the show to follow the link in the show notes and go out and download the copy. If your organization is, and you know what? I'll say if your organization is facing these issues, because every organization is, and technology is increasingly being developed to help your organization meet these challenges, the, the best resource I've, I've seen to date about, about to understand how these, how these technologies are developing, where they are, what they do is right here. So uh, Stacia and Carol, thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. All right. This is awesome. I love it. I love a geeky HR show, which is what this was. So thank you again. So uh, this has been the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. I want to thank everybody for listening. Also remind you to uh, tell tell a friend, tell your friend, tell tell your, your your boss, your coworker, your sister, listen to it in the car and make your kids listen to the show. That's my, that's my recommendation uh, for you today. So uh, thanks again for listening. You can subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Show wherever you get your podcast. For uh, Stacia, for Carol, for Trisha McFarland, my name's Steve Bowes. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next time on the HR Happy Hour Show. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.